This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is a Tuesday morning, the 22nd day of December, six minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome, and thanks for a few minutes of your time this morning on Sports Country Radio. Uh, kind of a grab bag of things to get to this morning um, as uh, we get close to the uh, Christmas holiday, but the uh, we'll start with the shocker of the night. Now, I said yesterday... Uh, during the show, there was no way I was watching the Monday night football game last night. It was going to be an absolute blowout. I wasn't going to waste my time. Well, um, my wife, Barbara, had to uh, to, to open uh, the uh, Home Depot that she works for this morning that she's a manager for. And uh, so she went to bed early. There was nothing else going on. So I said, ah, what the hell? I'll turn the Monday night football game on. Um, I'm glad I did. <laughs> to be honest with you, I uh, I wasn't planning on it, but uh, what a finish or what a game it wasn't. Now let me let me when I say what a game, it was not a thing of beauty. I mean, when you look at the final numbers in this game, uh, it was kind of ugly. Uh, I mean, it was even, I guess, offensively. But uh, Pittsburgh had two hundred and forty-four yards of offense, and Cincinnati had two hundred and thirty. Now, think about that. In most games, you know, you've got a quarterback that'll throw for more yards than these teams had the entire game. Uh, so it wasn't pretty. Pittsburgh was a turnover machine. Three turnovers last night. Um, you know, the one thing, I guess, if you're Cincinnati, you took advantage of those turnovers. And... If you were the Bengals, you didn't turn the ball over yourself. You took advantage of that, and the Bengals stun the Pittsburgh Steelers last night, 27-17. to Cincinnati led this game 17 to nothing at the half. Now, it was all because of turnovers. All 17 points they had all came as a result of turnovers. Their first one, you know, they, six plays, they went four yards. They ended up with a 34-yard a, a field goal. Their second drive, seven plays, 38 yards. Uh, they get the touchdown. Giovanni uh, Bernard, the veteran running back last night with a, with a big game, uh, his biggest game in a long time. And then Bernard catches a 14-yard pass from Ryan Finley, a drive that was three plays, 26 yards with four minutes to go in the first half. It was all because of turnovers. So it was uh, <laughs> it was kind of an ugly first half. And Pittsburgh Steelers fans online were losing their ever-loving minds. This is a Steelers team now that has gone from being undefeated, a team that everybody's saying, can they, can they do what the Miami Dolphins did? Can they run the table and go undefeated? 
Well, they went from 11-0 and to 11-3 and in a hurry, and they went from being the number one seed in the AFC to potentially not even winning their division. That's a real possibility right now. Now, that would still mean the Cleveland Browns have to, to have to take care of business. But the way that the Steelers look right now, oh, my God. So, you know, they came out, the Steelers did in the second half, and it looked like, okay, now they're going to get things done. Uh, Roethlisberger throws a touchdown pass to uh, Deontay Johnson early in the third. Pittsburgh's on the board. They get another long drive, 10 plays, 67 yards. And if you're Pittsburgh, this is this is probably what frustrates you more than anything. You move the ball, but you couldn't finish. And so they end up settling for a 25-yard field goal. It's 17-10. to 10. But everybody, including me, I'm watching this game going, oh, boy, Cincinnati's screwed. It's 17-10, five minutes to go in the third quarter. You know, the way the Pittsburgh offense was moving the football, all of a sudden you said There's, they've got no shot. Well, Ryan Finley, the third quarterback to start for the Bengals this year since Joe Burrow, you know, Joe Burrow has gone down, so they've gone to a couple other guys. Ryan Finley gets to start last night. Now, Ryan Finley wasn't great throwing the football. He did make a couple of nice passes, but Ryan Finley last night showed that uh, he can motor a little bit. There were a couple of uh, huge calls. He ended up with 47 yards on the ground. And there were a couple of huge plays last night. Well, the biggest one was uh, early in the fourth quarter. He runs 23 yards for a touchdown. Wasn't touched. I mean, <laughs> he ran, he, he dropped back to pass. Wasn't anything open. He runs straight up the middle. Nobody touched him. Touchdown, 24-10 to 10 Cincinnati. And then you go, oh, now Cincinnati. Now the, you knew the Steelers were in trouble. But nine-play, 80-yard drive after the Steelers had really made you look bad for the third quarter. That was a huge, huge drive by the Cincinnati Bengals and Ryan Finley. There was another play later in the game on a third down where they called a quarterback draw, and Ryan Finley picks up the first down. Another play on third and one. Ryan Finley dives up the middle, picks up the first down. I mean, look, you know, he may not have been great throwing the football, 7 of 13 for 89 yards, but this guy controlled the game. And you got to take your hats off to Cincinnati. They called a great game last night, and they took advantage of what the Steelers gave them. And believe me, the Steelers gave them plenty. Ben Roethlisberger, the veteran quarterback for Pittsburgh looked awful. You know, and the Steelers didn't even really, by and large, until late in the game, didn't throw the ball down the field that often. They kept with this, you know, the dink and dunk kind of passing game that was ineffective. I mean, Jesus, he couldn't even complete, you know, short passes. And this wasn't drops. It just was off target or, you know, uh, the defensive lineman for Cincinnati constantly batting balls down. Roethlisberger finished 20 for 38, 170 yards. Got hit several times. Only got sacked once, but he got roughed up quite a bit. So, 
now all of a sudden things are wide open in the AFC North and the Kansas City Chiefs are like, thank you very much. We've got the number one seed. We can kind of coast a little bit these last couple of games, you know, because unless they were to lose their last two games, which they're not going to do, the Chiefs are going to be the number one seed. But Pittsburgh, even if they don't win the division, or even if they win the division, I mean, they still aren't going to get a bye week that first week, which is what they were hoping for. So right now they are uh, in danger of having to play that first week, and they needed that first week off. They got more guys banged up on this team. It's unbelievable. Their linebacking core has been decimated, and they had a couple more injuries last night. It was like a mash unit out there. So give the Bengals credit. Look, it was only their third win of the season, and if this team had Joe Burrow, they would be better than 3-10-1 at this point. I'm convinced of that. But they did what they had to do last night. And even after the Pittsburgh Steelers scored the touchdown with about five and a half minutes to go to make it a one-score game, again, the Cincinnati Bengals did what they had to do. They took care of the football. They held on to the ball, and they were able to run out the clock. It you know, And they ended up getting a, uh, a turnover on downs. Pittsburgh gets the ball back, you know, and they have to turn it over on downs, and uh, Cincinnati kicks the clinching field goal to put it out of reach with about 12 seconds to go. But what a great game. Uh, you know, I mean, not a great game style-wise, but just one of those games where you never saw it coming. And this game was in Cincinnati, and this it was only had a crowd of about 10,000 people. But there were more Pittsburgh Steelers fans in the stands than there were Bengal fans. The, 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 the terrible towels were all over the place, and yet uh, all the Steelers fans went home disappointed. And look, the Steelers, as I said, from 11-0 to 11-3, lost three in a row, and now they have to play the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday. An Indianapolis Colts team that is 10-4. You know, and in an Indianapolis Colts team, if they beat the Steelers and they're both 11-4, now all of a sudden Indianapolis has the tiebreaker over Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh drops another step in the playoff seating. So, you know, Steeler fans are beside themselves. And there were a couple of pass interference calls last night. Steeler fans were, you know, there was one that wasn't called, and I th- didn't think it should have been called, but every Steeler fan was like, oh, my God, how could they not call that? They called a couple of other pass interference calls against Cincinnati in that game last night. I didn't agree with There was one um, that was down along the uh, – right outside the goal line that led to a Pittsburgh touchdown. It would have been a, a turnover on downs. And yet, they call a pass interference call on a ball that was thrown to the corner by the pylon that was not a catchable ball. There was some contact. I'll give them you – know, look, there was contact. But that the, the defender did not stop the receiver from catching the football because it wasn't a catchable ball. So, a lot of fun coming up here in the next, uh, next couple of weeks. But the Steelers right now look like – well, they don't look like a playoff team. They look like just about anybody could beat them. And I saw a thing on Twitter last night. It kind of cracked me up. You know, everybody was talking about, hey, hey, the uh, New York Jets beat the Los or the uh, yeah the Los Angeles Rams 
this week. The Jets finally got a win. How about that? And somebody said in Pittsburgh Steelers said, here, hold my beer. <laughs> as the uh, Cincinnati Bengals take them out as well. So a couple of shocking results from this week. Uh, got word yesterday a former Steeler passed away. Uh, Hall of Fame linebacker Kevin Green passed away. He was only 58 years old. 58. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2016. Um, great linebacker. One of these guys that wasn't the fastest, wasn't the strongest, but one of those guys that got the most out of his ability, and he did a lot of it mentally. He figured out ways uh, to do his job. Uh, played for four different teams, including the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, he played from the Steelers from 1993 to 95, helped the uh, the Steelers get to Super Bowl 30 in 1993. Uh, a guy who was a terror. He had 14 or more sacks in three different seasons. He did it twice with the Carolina Panthers late in his career. He did it with the Steelers and then a couple of times with the Panthers. Also played for the Rams. Started his career with the Rams. Played seven years for the Rams. And then finished up his career in 1997 with the San Francisco 49ers. But uh, no cause of death was given, but just 58 years old. You know, and as, as somebody who's older than 58, I, you know, you start, it's just, uh, yeah, you hate you hate seeing that. But no, no cause of death given, but uh, just terrible, 58 years old. Um, the college bowl season began last night, if you care. Because the college bowl season doesn't mean as much this year um, as normal. Now, this is not to take anything away. Appalachian State played against uh, Texas State in the Myrtle Beach Bowl last night. One of the big bowls, Myrtle Beach Bowl. Appalachian State wins the game 56-28. Um, notable thing in this game, uh, Appalachian State uh, finishes out 9-3, and by the way. Uh, and uh, they have never lost. They, they're 6-0 and in bowl games since they joined the Sun Belt Conference in 2014. But Appalachian State uh, made news for in this game because Cameron Peoples, uh, their top running back, set a bowl record. Not a Myrtle Beach Bowl, but a bowl record for any bowl ever. He ran for 319 yards last night and five touchdowns. Uh, that 319 yards passed uh, the 307 yards that uh, Georgia Tech's P.J. Daniels had in the Humanitarian Bowl back in uh, 2004, and he became the seventh player to run for five touchdowns uh, in a bowl game. And by the way, those numbers, are those uh, uh, those people that have done that include people like uh, Barry Sanders and uh, Kareem Hunt. So uh, pretty good company. But... Uh, but this is why the bowl season this year is not the same. You have teams getting into bowl games that have no business being there. Uh, Texas State had a losing record. You don't get into bowl games. You have to. You can't have a losing record normally and get into a bowl game. Well, Texas State was four and five out of Conference USA, uh, and they got into this bowl simply because there weren't enough teams playing, <laughs> or that wanted to go to bowl games to get to to be able to f 
fill out all the bowls. There, I mean, look, there's there's bowls that are not going to happen this year simply because you don't have enough teams. So, uh, I mean, this, so I'm not taking anything away from Appalachian State, or, or you know, because a win is a win is a win. But uh, you know, North Texas normally wouldn't be in a bowl game. Uh, Army, West Point, had a great year, nine and two. And this is why, or by the way, this is where when you when you look at the bowl situation, you go, well, Texas State got in at four and five. Army wasn't invited to a bowl game. They were nine and two. I get it that their schedule isn't the strongest in the world, and you know they don't play in one of the major conferences, but they were nine and two. Didn't get into a bowl game, but Texas State did. Until yesterday, uh, Army was left out, but then uh, Tennessee decided to withdraw from the Liberty Bowl because of some positive COVID-19 tests. So Army has been invited to take Tennessee's spot in the Liberty Bowl, and they will now face West Virginia on December the 31st. Army was originally supposed to go to the Independence Bowl uh, on December 26th in Louisiana, but that was called off because uh, there was no opponent available. So there is not going to be uh, that bowl's not going to happen this year. So now uh, they will play uh, in the Liberty Bowl. Now, and the other part about this is Tennessee withdrew from the Liberty Bowl. Tennessee shouldn't even have been invited to the Liberty Bowl. Again, this is why this season doesn't, it's a joke. Tennessee was 3-7. and seven. What the hell are you doing getting invited to a bowl game when you're 3-7? and seven? That's like a participation trophy in Little League. You no business being in a bowl game. But I'm glad for Army, you know, because it wasn't fair to those kids. Look, you know, any other year, any other normal year, if all the bowl games were happening, there is no question Army's playing in a bowl. Well, they probably would have been, you know, in the bowl in Louisiana, the Independence Bowl. But, you know, the fact that they had been left out is a joke. So they will take on five and four West Virginia. The game will be played in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, on New Year's Eve day, December the 31st. So good for them. Um, and, you know, look, uh, Army can use all uh, the good news it can get right now because uh, the the Academy has been uh, rocked with news of a cheating scandal. It's the second major cheating scandal um, in West Point history. There was one uh, back in, I think it was 1970 ish. I can't remember the exact date. Well, this one occurred. The cheating actually occurred last spring at the start of the pandemic. 70 cadets have been accused of cheating on a calculus exam from last spring. Now, all the tests were taken remotely rather than on academy grounds because of the pandemic. Um, and how do they know they cheated? Because all 70 people got the same question wrong and they got it with the exact same wrong answer. 70 people. So there is no doubt that there was, I mean, you know, you can understand some people, you know, a handful getting it wrong and, you know, having the same answer, but 70 people. Now of that 70, 59 admitted to cheating on the test. Six of the cases were dropped, uh, two for lack of evidence, and four because the cadets resigned. 
Uh, look, not for nothing. These are supposed to be the leaders, the future leaders of the U.S. Army. And you have massive cheating going on. And so my question is the following. Why are they still there? Are you? How can you ever trust somebody who is supposed to be the leader of our military forces if you know that at some point during their military education they cheated? You know, if that happens at a regular university, people are getting expelled. And yet what they're doing to these cadets, 55 of them who have acknowledged the cheating, have been enrolled in what they're calling a rehabilitation program that was started several years ago uh, to give cadets who uh, get in trouble with some of the West Point rules. Because, look, they have some stringent rules. There's no question about that. But this is way different than a rule of, hey, uh, I didn't make my bed right or I missed roll call or something. This is way, way more serious than that. So what are they still doing there? That's what I want to know. <laughs> so uh, so the fact that Army got into the Liberty Bowl is a welcome distraction, I'm sure, <laughs> for the folks at West Point uh, right now. Uh, this next thing on college football is hysterical. Now, I was a big fan, I'll admit, of Dabo Swinney, the head coach for Clemson. I have I always admired the guy. He is uh, supposedly a God-fearing man. He, he always said the right thing. He was the kind of guy, you know, when you listen to him, you said, you know, this is the kind of guy I want my kid to play for. Well, this year has brought out the worst in him. He has said some things where you kind of go, huh? And he has been a bit a bit of an a-hole. To no other way to put it. Um well, this is great. They are set to play Ohio State in the college football playoff semifinals on January 1st in the Sugar Bowl. 10 and 1 Clemson their only loss was to Notre Dame in their first meeting uh without Joey Lawrence their quarterback and then they spanked Notre Dame the second time so they're 10 and 1 going against 6 and 0 Ohio State Well if you look at the top 25 poll the AP top 25 poll um Ohio State is ranked 3rd behind Alabama, behind Clemson, and just ahead of Notre Dame. Well, and they're also that way in the coaches' poll as well, by the way. Well, we come to find out that Dabo Swinney, when he was filling out his ballot for the coaches' poll, he ranked Ohio State 11th. 11th. Um, and he said that, he said, I think games matter. He said the mental and physical toll of a season 
There's nobody out there that would say that somebody who has played 11 games versus somebody who has played six is better physically or something like that because it's a long season. So he ranked them 11th. Now, I agree. I, I will go. I will say this. I don't believe Ohio State belongs in the college football playoff. I don't care what you say. I don't care that the Big Ten is a strong conference. I don't care. They played six games. They didn't even meet their conference requirement for number of games played to get into the conference championship game. The Big Ten had to change the rules just so Ohio State could get in. Some of it's not of their own doing, but some of it is. And some of it's the Big Ten's fault because they decided to wait to start the season. I don't believe Ohio State belongs in the playoff. But I also don't believe that they're the 11th best team in the country. They're probably, I guarantee you, they're better than that. And so, and if you're Dabo Swinney, this was stupid. Okay, because what you have now done, you, you've, you've ranked them 11th and you've talked about it. And so now what you have done is you have put this big thing on the bulletin board in the locker room of Ohio State. Bulletin board material. If Ohio State needed anything else to get fired up to try to beat the ever-living hell out of Clemson, Dabo Swinney has provided the spark. Congratulations. What a dope. Absolute dope. <laughs> and I think Clemson will beat Ohio State. But that was just the dumbest thing Ever. <laughs> oh, you just can't fix stupid. It's 31 minutes past the hour. We got to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call. 34 minutes past the hour here on the 22nd day of December, three more days before Christmas. We're going to have a monsoon here at Christmas. We went from having 13 inches of snow last Wednesday. Uh, it's going to be 60 degrees on Christmas Day here, but it's supposed to rain like hell. They're saying uh, two to three inches of rain, winds 50, 50 to 60 miles an hour. Oh, just insane. And then the next day, by the way, it's going to be 30. So all the rain that you got the day before, yeah, it's all going to freeze on the roads on uh, Saturday. So fun times here in New England. Uh, just one other quick college football note. The, uh, the college bowl games continue uh, tonight. We have the famous Idaho Potato Bowl tonight, one of the big ones. It'll be Tulane against Nevada. That's actually this afternoon, 3.30 on ESPN. Uh, entertaining game tonight. This should be fun. A couple of high-flying offenses tonight at the Boca Raton Bowl. Uh, Central Florida will take on BYU. That's at 7 o'clock tonight uh, on ESPN. That one should be a lot of fun. There's actually a bowl game on Christmas Day. We have a football game on Christmas Day as well. That's kind of weird. Uh, the NFL is going to have football on Friday, December the 25th, 4.30 in the afternoon. It's going to be Minnesota at New Orleans. So we will have football on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday this week. It's just, uh, I said, I, I'm telling you, we're getting to a time I think we're going to end up having football seven days a week, which for football junkies, it'll make them very happy. Uh, speaking of football, uh, Dan Zampano, our NFL correspondent is confirmed. I talked to him, uh, or texted him last night. He said that he would be honored to appear on the show on Wednesday. 
Uh, so we're going to have Dan on for his weekly uh, NFL appearance on Wednesday since we will not have a show on Thursday or Friday. Um, so we will have him on 9.30 tomorrow morning. Um, there was a story in the Hartford Current last night, uh, and it ran in this morning's paper. Uh, I, I read it online last night. Um, the UConn men lost a tough game over the weekend. They lost to number 9 Creighton in overtime. And UConn had a chance to put this game away in overtime. They had a two-point lead. R.J. Cole on the line with that two-point lead. Uh, two foul shots. If he hits them both uh, with 11.2 seconds to go, UConn's probably going to win that game. Well, Cole had been 6-for-6 six six from the line uh, in that game and 10-for-10 10 10 on the season. He clanked them both. So they end up losing the game in overtime. Well, um, Sunday night, and I don't follow him on Twitter, so I didn't know this, but Sunday night he tweeted out, uh, he said, UConn Nation, um, earlier today was a tough loss. I missed two huge free throws, but as the point guard and one of the leaders of the team, I put myself in that position every time because that's who I am, and I have the utmost confidence in myself and my, abil- and my abilities. I owe you all one. You know what? That was uh, a stand-up thing to do. It wasn't necessary. I mean, you know, it is, you know, look, uh, the kid's a transfer from Howard, uh, and he was one of the big team leaders at Howard. He played for Danny Hurley's son uh, at St. Anthony's in Jersey City, so he has that kind of a, a, a base. So it was a nice thing for him to do, and most of the people on Twitter, uh, he got hundreds of likes and retweets and everything. All the comments were positive, except for one from his mom. When he did his tweet, he, he said, I have the utmost, UP most confidence. And his mom, <laughs> I love this, his mom corrected him, and she said, it's utmost, son. <laughs> so good for mom uh, editing the grammar uh, on his tweet. But look, that was, you know, again, a good thing for him to do, but he doesn't have to apologize. And he, he had a tough day. You know, he was six for six from the line, but he couldn't, he couldn't shoot very well. I mean, he was two for 13 from the field. But what he did do in this game was he played outstanding defense. Uh, the Big East preseason player of the year is from Creighton, uh, Marcus Zigorowski. And he guarded Zigorowski the whole game, and he held Zigorowski to 11 points on 4 for 14 shooting and 1 for 8 on threes. And so, I mean, he played his ass off on defense, which probably, you know, led to his production offensively, you know, and maybe by the end of the game, he was completely gassed, didn't have a lot in the tank and the legs weren't there. Cause you know, as much as, by the way, as much as you think when you shoot free throws, you know, it's just, you know, you're just flipping it up there with the hand, the legs are a big part of free throws, believe it or not. And that's one of the things I always, you know, back in my days as being a, a high school and college coach, that's one of the things, if you are a, uh, a dead leg shooting free throw, performer you're not going to shoot very well you have to use the legs you have to it, believe it or not you know there's people that think you can just stand there and just flip it up and not use your legs but it, it's a big part so maybe there was nothing left in the legs at the end of the game I don't know but uh nice thing for him to do but I love the fact that his mom corrected his grammar that's, that's beautiful uh NBA starts tonight a 72 game season 10 games shorter than the normal 82 game season uh Adam Silver number of press conferences last night and uh, he was on a today show this morning and he basically said, look, I think that we're going to be able to play the season. He said, we would not have started it when we did uh, if we didn't think so. 
They don't want to go into a bubble. They have no plans to go into a bubble. He said, look, we've got contingencies in place. If one player tests positive, uh, you know, we're going to isolate them immediately. Um, there is the, the testing protocols are still in place. Um, and he knows that in only four of the stadiums across the country are there going to be fans or for the arena. So, you know, there's not going to be a lot of fan, you know, worries and uh, he thinks that they're going to be able to do it. So they, the league opens up tonight. Golden State will be at Brooklyn, and the L.A. Clippers uh, take on the uh, defending champion Los Angeles Lakers tonight. So, uh, look, I, I I hope they're able to play the game, all the games, all 72 of them. I hope they don't have to postpone them, but I think we need to be prepared for that. Just like in college football, in college basketball, we've had postponements. Um, now, one of the things the NBA did – uh, we talked about the other day they've increased the roster size from 13 to 15 to allow for a couple of extra players just in case, you know, somebody tests positive and, and has to quarantine and can't be there. You've got some contingencies and you're not you're not uh, stuck with just uh, the 13 players on your roster. So I think it's a great idea, but I hope they play it. Why? Because if they play it and they're successful, it means, you know, there's a better chance that the NHL is going to be successful there's a better chance that Major League Baseball is going to be able to start spring training. And I know that they said that that's what they're prepared to do. But when we have owners saying that we don't think the season should start on time and we don't think we should play 162 games, it concerns me. But we now have, and this is going to be a great test case for Major League Baseball. You know, we're going to have January and February where the NHL and the NBA are going to be playing in closed quarters. I mean, let's not forget, baseball's outside, and it's the you know it's way easier to social distance playing baseball than it is any other sport. And if the NBA and the NHL show that they can get it done, then Major League Baseball, there should be nothing stopping Major League Baseball from a starting on time and b playing all 162. You know, there's a part of me that still thinks the owners are going to try to find some way to weasel out of this. And I think the reason that they're doing it, I think that a lot of owners don't want to start until the vaccine is rolled out more, states relax restrictions, and they can get butts in the seats at stadiums around the country. I really believe that because I think that the owners – want to try to minimize their losses once again. And look, you can't blame them. They're businessmen, all right? So you can't blame them from wanting for wanting to offset the costs. You know, every team, with the exception of one or two, lost money last year. So, you know, I'm sure that Major League Baseball players right now are rooting for the NBA and the NHL to have a successful start to the season because that's going to lead – to a successful Major League Baseball season, and I pray to God that happens. Uh, <laughs> I honest to God. Uh, so we'll see. Now, along with the the whole Major League Baseball, you know, wanting to get the fans in the seats, and I get that. There was a report that came out uh, at the end of last week. Because of the short season, Major League Baseball payrolls last year were down an incredible amount. Major League Baseball payrolls plunged to $1.75 billion 
last year. Now, that sounds like a ton of money, right? Well, <laughs> Major League Baseball payrolls in 2019, $4.22 billion. So it was a huge drop. Obviously, players lost a ton of money. Uh, the basis for the base wages for 40 man rosters last year tumbled to about a million, a billion and a half. And, you know, look, we knew that was going to happen because when the season was shortened to 60 games, players were forced to take huge pay cuts. And, you know, look, nobody's going to feel bad for major league baseball players on the breadline. You know, they're not on the breadline, but, you know, think about this. I mean, you look at the Red Sox the previous year, you know, had a huge payroll, you know, to the point where, you know, they were way over the luxury tax and they were going to be in trouble. And uh, their payroll last year dropped to $63 million. Uh, the number one salary for last year, of course, was the world champion Los Angeles Dodgers, $95 million. That's all. I mean, now, again, their payroll was set to be well over $200 million if they had played this whole season, $95 million. But this is this is the part that was most, you know, this is where you, you go, holy cow. The Dodgers at $95 million. The AL champion Tampa Bay Rays, 28th in Major League Baseball, at only $29.4 million. There were only two teams in Major League Baseball that had lower payrolls last year than Tampa Bay. Pittsburgh at $24 million and Baltimore at $23.5 million. Now think about that for a second. Tampa May, Tampa's payroll last year was $29.4 million. Mike Trout, in a regular year, will make more money than the Tampa Bay Rays paid out last year to their entire team. <laughs> that's, you know, I mean, that's, that's mind blowing. It's 46 minutes past the hour. We're going to take another break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the wake up call on sports country. Welcome back to the wake up call. 48 minutes past the hour. So Tony LaRussa settled his, uh, DUI case yesterday down in Arizona. He pled, uh, guilty to a lesser charge uh, to resolve his misdemeanor drunken driving charges. Uh, of course, if you remember, he was arrested uh, back in February um, after crashing into a pole uh, in Phoenix. Um, and uh, the White Sox were aware of it when they hired him. Um, and, uh, you know, yesterday he... Uh, he said, uh, I don't have a drinking problem, but he said he also, you know, has to prove that with his behavior. And, but he said that, look, he said before, uh, the conversations with the White Sox got serious, he said that, uh, he informed them and he says what he, you know what he called it? A mistake situation. <laughs> I informed them that there was this mistake situation in February that was now getting close to uh, coming to some kind of resolution. That's, I would love to have one of my kids. Dad, it was a mistake. It was it was a mistake situation. <laughs> um, so, and the White Sox have stood by him. Now, what the White Sox said yesterday basically said, look, uh, they understand 
the anger, you know, and concern expressed by a lot of people when he got hired under those circumstances. And he said, but they also know the, the club said that Tony La Russa knows that there's no safety net below him. Uh, and they said uh, that he's got a proud and productive history with the White Sox and Major League Baseball, yada, 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 which is why we're standing by him. Um, and he said, we're confident that Tony will improve our team while improving himself. Man, the spin doctors were working yesterday. Uh, look, he's not the first nor the last person to get charged with DUI, and we're not asking our Major League Baseball players or managers to be saints. They're human beings just like the rest of us. They make mistakes. You know, the thing with LaRusse is, you know, he had the same problem back in 2007. He got caught with a DUI. So I get, you know, the, somewhat of a pattern of behavior here. But, again, we're human beings. They're human beings. You know, this is just this is just part of the social media culture of today where nobody's allowed to not be perfect. By the way, the people sitting behind the keyboards, they're all perfect. Just ask them. Uh, but, look, you know, he, he, what my old concern with Tony Ruth is getting hired had nothing to do with the DUI thing. It was just like, dude, you're 76 years old. Why? But, but even that aside, if you're the White Sox, you've got this team loaded with young kids. And instead of having a manager that's kind of, you know, closer to their age and maybe somebody that can relate to these kids a little bit, you hired their grandfather, you know, I'm more concerned about that aspect of it than I am the whole DUI thing. So, but anyway, so hopefully that's the last we're going to have to hear about this one. Uh, Howie Kendrick retired yesterday. Um, he did not have his uh, the option picked up on his contract by the Washington Nationals in October and uh, decided that uh, he was going to uh, call it a day. He's 37 years old, um, a guy who has had – a great career. You know, he's not a Hall of Famer. You know, let's, you know, he's, he's not at that level. But this is a guy who was a solid Major League Baseball player for 50, 15 years. Uh, he's a career 294 hitter. You know, solid defensive second baseman in his younger years. Um, was an all-star once, you know, uh, but, you know, a guy that just – he was one of those lunch pail kind of guys. You know, a guy that you could count on being in the lineup every day. Consistently played between 140 and 150 games early in his career. Uh, up until 2016 uh, when he was with the Dodgers. Uh, he played 146 games that year. Um, and then kind of kicked around, uh, played for the Phillies for a year. And then uh, his last four seasons, uh, he was with Washington. And I'll tell you what, in 2019, when Washington won the World Series, uh, he had a hell of a year for them. In 121 games, he hit 344. Uh, played really well. Uh, he was the MVP of the NLCS when they beat the Cardinals. Hit 333. Hit 280 in the World Series that year. So uh, a guy has uh, nothing to be ashamed of for his career. Um, so, uh, he, he hangs it up at the age of 37, uh, a couple of signings to note. Michael Waka has signed a contract with the Tampa Bay Rays. It's a one year, $3 million deal. Uh, Waka's a guy, he was the 19th overall pick, uh, by the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, when he was drafted. He's 29 years old, a 60 and 43 record, 
Uh, look, this he had seven solid years with the St. Louis Cardinals, and then he signed uh, with the Mets last year. Went one and four with a six six two ERA. Uh, but in the postseason in his career, four and two with a with an, you know a solid three three four ERA, um, and uh, made five postseason starts as a rookie in 2013 when they when the Cardinals won the uh, National League pennant. Uh, he was an all-star back in 2015. So, look, this is a guy that's still young enough. I, you know, I, I I don't think we can't – I've said this before. I don't care what anybody did last year. I really don't, good or bad. I don't think you can put any stock in what any player did in that 60-game season last year. Not just because it was 60 games, but because of the stop-and-start thing where you had spring training, then you took a few months off, then you come back and you have this crammed-in spring training, and then we go right into games. I, I, I have a hard time taking anybody's numbers seriously from last year. You know, that's why a lot of people are worried about Andrew Benintendi. He was awful for 14 games before he got hurt. It was 14 games, you know, and it was a weird year. Let's, you know, let's wait and see what happens this year with Andrew Benintendi with a full season before I start getting concerned that, that uh, he was a flash in the pan. Uh, so same thing with Michael Walker. I think this guy still has plenty left in the tank and a typical Ray signing, $3 million bucks. And you know what he's probably going to do for that? He's probably going to go out and win 14, 15 games for them for $3 million bucks because that's what players for the Rays always seem to do. Uh, the Giants also made a signing uh, on Monday. Anthony DiScofani, a one-year, $6 million contract. Um, and, uh, you know, DiScofani's another guy. Didn't have a great year last year. Had an ERA of over seven for the Cincinnati Reds. He pitched for the Reds for six years. But, look, he's a guy that has been dependable. Now, he missed all of 2017 with an injury. But other than that, he has made at least 20 starts in four seasons. Uh, he's only 30 years old, you know, so this is a, uh, a conservative signing, but a guy that gives them a veteran arm behind Johnny Cueto, uh, in a team that needs pitching, you know, and again, I look at that and I go, you know, that would have been the perfect kind of guy for the Red Sox to target, you know, and it's funny. I've seen a lot of things on social media lately going, you know, what are the Red Sox do? Please Red Sox do something. You know, because all we're doing is we're sitting here obsessing about, you know, what Jared Duran, you know, our, our future outfielder did in, uh, you know, winter ball. You know, do something, for God's sake, you're killing us. Uh, one other note, not sports related, but uh, country music related, because uh, we also play country music here. Uh, Katie Oslin passed away yesterday. She was 78 years old. Uh, she had a string of hits uh, back in the... Uh, Late '80s, one-time uh, uh, CMA vocal, female vocalist of the year. Um, uh, probably her best-known song was called '80s Ladies. Uh, but 78 years old, she passed away from complications from uh, Parkinson's and the coronavirus. So the coronavirus gets another one. She'll be part of our end of the year uh, special that we're going to run here on Sports Country Radio, remembering uh, the country music greats that we lost uh, this year. It's going to be. Uh, a two-and-a-half-hour special at the end of the uh, season. I'll let you know more about the dates. I'm just in the middle. I'm trying to finalize it. I'm still recording, still putting everything together. But uh, my plan is to run it uh, the week after Christmas. So I'll give you more details on that when we have it. 
Uh, we'll be back tomorrow morning with another edition of the Wake Up Call. Again, Dan Zampano will join us at 9.30. Hope you can uh, be here for that one. It'll be our final show before Christmas. We leave you this morning with some holiday music from Garth Brooks and Trisha Yearwood. Merry Christmas means I love you, and I love you guys. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.